It was a Saturday night. A Saturday night before the Sunday where I was supposed to go to a service. And in that service, I didn't know, but I had volunteered to be a part of a ministry to bring the gospel to a senior citizen's home. And I didn't know it was my week. And so that Saturday night, I fell into what you might call gross sin. I know that none of you know anything about this, but I'll tell you my story. I fell into gross sin and found myself in that seat again. You know the seat. The seat that you swear you'll never sit in again. The seat that you swear you'll never run back to again. The, sweet, the seat that you think, how could I ever let myself fall into this? I can't even begin to tell you the shame that went through my whole body. In our church, I have to make a confession. In our church, I have for the last, I don't know, 20 years, have told you, stay away from sin. Be far from sin. Flee. Run away. But you know, in all that time, I've never sat down with you and talked to you about what do you do the morning after? What do you do after you've blown it? <laughs> what do you do when you messed up and you wished you hadn't? What do you do? I suspect that I'm not the only one with those deep regrets. I suspect that I'm not the only one that wished they were better than they are. And so, what do you do? What do you do when after you've fought, and after you've struggled, and after you've opened the door a crack, Satan kicks the hinges off? And now you find yourself in the mess that you're in. Well. If you're like most of us, what you do is you try to avoid, not Satan, you try to avoid God. And you stop coming to church, and you stop praying, and you stop reading the Bible. And so today, this message is just for sinners. That's all I got to preach to today. Today is for the relapsers. The ones who thought they'd never go back. Today is for those who, after four days, pick up the Lucy and are not yet at the prayer time when they're going to be delivered. Today is for those who are despicable and wish they could stop but don't want to yet. 
So I was going to do today's sermon in one week. I can't. I can't. We're going to take two weeks on this. Because remember, we're starting a brand new series called Resurrecting Faith. And we want to take our time with this. So if you're new, so grateful you're here. You're here with a bunch of broken people who desperately need the message. <laughs> no one here needs this message more than I do. I need this message. I need to be reminded who God is, who I'm not, and to be able to trust him. Now, we find our, our scripture in Micah chapter 7. And by the way, so much hangs on this. Like, if you feel like you're in a, a, a series of victories and you haven't struggled since Noah, then I'm grateful for you. I'm glad that you're here. But you're going to need this message someday. If you're here and you got 22 years clean and you don't think you could ever go back, one day, I pray no. I pray that you stay sober, and I pray that you stay clean for the rest of your life. But one day, you might need this. If you're here and you haven't watched the dirty picture or gone into the whorehouse or whatever your thing is, I pray you never go back. But one day, you may need this. And if you're here and you're doing great on the diet, but you had a stressful day, and you run to haagen rather than Jesus. You're going to need this. We're all going to need this. Because not all of our sins are as gross as mine. But your sins, you know. I know my sins. And so, we look at this text and we come, and I almost want to ask you to take off your shoes because we're on holy ground. And so we find it in Micah chapter 7, verses 7 through 9. In Micah chapter 7, in Micah, in the book of Micah, Micah is telling a sinful people what they're really like. And he's not pulling any punches. And he's not saying anything close to, you're not that bad, or it's all right. Or, well, Jesus forgives. He's telling them where they're really, really at. And as he's telling them where they're really at, he's also giving them promises. Now, last week, we had sort of a prequel. You know what I mean when I say prequel? A prequel is just before the story starts. Like the Lord of the Rings, you have three movies, and then you have the prequel, right? Uh, the Hobbit, right? And so uh, it's to tell you what the story was before the story started. Last week, in the resurrection, um, during uh, Easter... Resurrection Sunday, we talked about this, that the resurrection of Jesus shows us who we are, tells us who we need, and leads us where to go. This entire series will be doing that very much. Very much we will be doing, showing you who you are, telling you who you need, and leading you where to go. Today, we're going to show you who you are. I want you to sit, listen to me. 
I'm sitting with you. I need this message just as much as you do. And so we go to the text and we find in Micah chapter 7, verse 7 through 9, this time we're going to sit and let the word wash over us. We have a tradition where we stand at the reading of God's word because we reverence God's word. But right now, we just need to sit and let it wash over us. Micah chapter 7, verse 7 through 9. But as for me, I watch in hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my Savior. My God will hear me. Do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. Because I have sinned against him, I will bear the Lord's wrath until he pleads my case and upholds my cause. He will bring me out into the light. I will see his righteousness. So how do you respond to your sin? How do you respond to your sin? Today's big idea is simply this. We respond to our sin with broken-hearted boldness. You hear me? With broken-hearted boldness. Every word here means something. I just want to pause because we're going to get right into the meat of this. But listen to me. We respond to our sin, not if we sin, when we sin. We respond to our sin with this, broken-hearted boldness. Say it with me, broken-hearted boldness. Now, if you are religious, you got the broken-hearted part right. You're devastated. I can't believe I've done this. After all he's done for me, how grimy I am. I can't, woe is me. Brokenhearted, you got right. And you beat yourself up, and you beat yourself up, and you beat yourself up. I'm in this crew. But if you're not religious, you got the boldness part right. You're like, hmm, oh well, no one's perfect. Jesus will forgive me if you even talk about, talk about Jesus at all. And you just go, whatever, God will forgive me. Can't be, you know, not going to be a holy roller. Just going to keep it moving. You know, I'll try to schedule my next sin a little bit longer than a week next time and see if I can get through. But you can't judge me. Only God knows my heart. You can't judge me. And both of those are so damnable, aren't they? Both the religious and those who are spiritual. I'm using that in quotes, spiritual. They find themselves falling off the horse on one side or the other. This text from Micah, however, won't allow it. This text from Micah says, no, no, no. 
This is really how bad you are, Edwin. This is really how bad you are, person sitting in your seat. It doesn't let, it get, doesn't let us get away with this depression, defeated, I can't believe I did it, I'll never be holy, there's never any hope for me, I might as well just give up, brokenhearted. It doesn't let us get away with that. Nor does it just let us get away with the boldness. Oh well, maybe next time, don't judge me, nonsense. Listen. So, this week, we're going to look at a part of the verse. I had like 10 points, and I thought, this is too much. You're not going to get it, and I really want you to get this. So today, we're going to look at us. We're going to look at the problem, but also listen to me. We're going to do a little bit of both, and then next week, we'll talk about the practical application on how to apply. Today, what to think. Next week, what to do. Today, how to process our grief in our sin. Next week, how to move in that process. So if you leave today and you feel like, well, I don't, I, I don't have the answers. I don't, I don't feel like there's enough. I, I know. Today is just what to think. Next week is what to do. You feel me? You ready? Let's do it. Let's look at the text. Looking at the text, we have broken-hearted boldness. And the first thing that we see is that we have fallen. Do you see that? You see that in verse 8? Though I have fallen. We're talking about have being brokenhearted. Just brokenhearted. I have fallen. And for some of us, this word fallen is tricky, isn't it? Because for some of us, I haven't fallen. I've done a nosedive. I planned for this. I strategized for this. I prepared for this. I, when I was preparing for this, I, I remember the story that the old man, um, a, a, a man who's super dear to me, his name was John C. And he used to tell this story. He was, John C. was this Irishman who had these like curly fingers. You ever met an Irishman with curly fingers? Don't trust him. They're scary people. And uh, this one, he was trustworthy. I remember he told a story about the guy that he was like. He said, I'm the guy who walks down the hallway and sees two doors. One says, happiness, joy, and freedom. And the other door says, pain, misery, and suffering. And there's a guy with a bat there in that door. And he goes, I could take him. And he goes. And the guy beats him, you know, the tar out of him. And then the next time he comes down that hallway, he's in crutches, you know. And he goes, he sees the two doors again, happiness, joy, and freedom. And then he sees the other door, and it says, uh, yeah, happiness, joy, and freedom. And then he sees the other door, and it says pain, misery, and suffering, sin. And he goes, he got lucky the last time. And, I go, and he goes to try to fight the guy, and the guy beats him up even worse. The next time, he's being rolled down his wheelchair. 
And he notices the one door that says happiness, joy, and freedom, and the other door says pain, misery, and suffering. Only this time, the guy with the bat isn't there anymore. And so he goes, I wonder where he went. And he starts going down that door. <laughs> Some of us walk, run, dive into the wrong door. We go, it won't be that bad. It's not going to hurt that much. Just one. Satan never tells me just 10 more. Has he ever told you that? No. Just one more. Brokenhearted. What does brokenhearted look like? Liz, if you could put them. Admit. We have fallen. We have fallen, and there's no excuses. Ah, oh, but what if, the, if they hadn't, and if she hadn't, and if it hadn't, and if, and if I would have never got molested when I was a kid, and, 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 you know, my mom gave me my first drink when I was seven years old, and no, 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 no. We've fallen. And there's no excusing it. Secondly, we sit in darkness. Do you see that? It's still in verse 8. Do not gloat over me, my enemy, though I have fallen. I will rise. Though I sit in, let's see this, these five words together. Though I sit in darkness. Listen to me. This is important. Because sin breaks our hearts, doesn't it? There's no use in going to a mirror and telling yourself you're good when you know better. There's no sense in trying to, uh, no, 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 I sit in darkness. It feels like God's, it feels like God's taking his hand off of me. It feels like he wants nothing to do with me. You sit in darkness. All you can think about is maybe the next one and being driven by the powerful drive that won't let go. You're horrified at your sin and you can't wait for the next one. You sit in darkness. This is what we know. Third, we bear the Lord's wrath. Do you see it? Because I have sinned, this is in verse 9, because I have sinned against him, that's God. You know when you sin, the person you're sinning against ultimately is God. Because I sinned against him, I will bear the Lord's wrath. Now, here's the thing. You and I don't like to talk like this. We like to talk about God's love and his mercy, and we don't like to talk about God's wrath. You do realize that in the Old and the New Testament, God speaks of us as children, and that in the New Testament, he says, the scriptures say, 
What parent doesn't chastise his children? It's the proof of, proof of love. Let me tell you something. If you're a child and you're in the supermarket and you're acting the fool and you're dropping things and breaking them and all that other stuff, I go, stinks to be that kid's parent. And I keep it moving. You're my kid and you do that because I love you. Because I am committed to your mental health and your emotional maturity. There will be some severe consequences to that. If you are feeling God's wrath, that's when you know, that's when you're certain that you're a child. Because only kids feel the wrath. If you don't care about God, you don't feel any of that, do you? In fact, the scriptures say in Romans 1, the worst, did you know what the worst punishment is? for a person who's running away from God, did you know what the worst punishment is? The worst punishment, according to Romans 1, is being given over to your sin. You know what that means? You don't feel any conscience about it. You're like, eh, it's Tuesday, whatever. Let's do it. Eh, it's like, no big deal. Matter of fact, God never even comes into your mind. That is the worst punishment of all because you're being given over. If you're not sure what that looks like, Go to, to, go to a detox one day and see what that looks like. A person who's, or maybe just remember your detox. And remember what being given over, like not caring, just doing your thing, like years pass by and you never even think about what you're doing. God's wrath is upon me. These three things are true. That we are broken hearted. Broken hearted because we have fallen. No excuse for our sin and no minimizing our sin. It was just once. Oh, it's not that bad. I, I, at least, you know what? I'm just watching this. At least I'm not acting out on that. We have fallen. We sit in darkness and we bear the Lord's wrath. We're broken hearted. But we're also bold. Let's look at the same text. We're not going to go anywhere else. We're just looking at one text here. Verses 8 and 9 specifically. Next week we'll get into 7 through 9 in the doing. There's a brokenhearted boldness. We can be bold. Why? Because not only have we fallen, but we'll arise. The truth is both. We have fallen, but we will rise. Because Christ has risen, he resurrects even sinful hearts like us. Because Christ has risen, we can know that the resurrection will happen in our own souls. Because Christ has risen, we do not walk around as people with no hope, but our hope is found in Christ. And if he can conquer the grave, then he can conquer my sin. We have fallen. We're broken, but we're also bold. We will rise. We sit in darkness. This is true. But also, and by the way, I didn't just invent that out of the air. You see it in verse 8. Though I have fallen, what? 
I will rise. Next we see, we sit in darkness. But what's the next? The Lord will be my light. Listen to me. When you have sinned, God hasn't abandoned you. And just because you're experiencing the wrath of God, and just because you're experiencing the darkness, and just because you're experiencing the fallenness, it doesn't mean that he's gone. It means he loves you too much to leave you there. And so he's bringing about change. He's bringing about transformation. We have fallen. We will rise. We sit in darkness. The Lord will be our light. In other words, our hope is not in our getting better. If you're like me, you've turned over more new leaves than Prospect Park. <laughs> I'm going to be better. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have these parameters around me. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make sure that this doesn't happen. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make sure that this boundary, which, by the way, good idea. Good idea. Like, don't go back to people and places and things. Good idea, but they're not my salvation. It's the Lord who will rise me. What our sister shared today wasn't because she was good or earnest. It's because the Lord one day decided to rise her up. And now she has years of staying away from something that was hurting her. We have fallen, we will rise. We sit in darkness, but the Lord will be our light. And then lastly, we bear the Lord's wrath, but also he pleads my case. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that incredible? Beloved, beloved, the same Lord who convicts you of sin is the same Lord who defends your soul. Can you believe that? I can't believe that. Like I never had a parent who said, that's it, you're going to get it. Like I had, I remember when my, I was young and my dad was living with us, my mother would say this, and it was the scariest thing I ever heard. I'm telling your father. It's the scariest thing I ever heard in my life. I'm telling your father. And when she said that, she meant it. And what was guaranteed was a beating. It was a guaranteed beating. Like, you didn't, you didn't get, my dad didn't get told unless there was going to be some mega, because my, my, my father had like two gears. It was like, mm, and beating. <laughs> Those were the two gears. Mm. And then, Beat you down. That's all he had. It's cool. But I wonder what it would be like if my mom would have said, Edwin was horrible today. Edwin was terrible. He disobeyed me. He was disrespectful. Everything he did today demands that he get the severest punishment. But I want you to know, America. I'm going to protect them. And though he deserves the punishment, not today. Today he will get mercy 
and love. The same Lord who gives wrath is the same Lord who pleads your case. I'm not talking about some court-appointed attorney. I'm talking about one of the best. He comes and he argues fervently. So, that's what you need to know. That's what you need to know. You need to know that we pursue God and we need this every day because we don't just sin with the big stuff, we sin with the small stuff too, right? We need brokenhearted boldness. What does brokenhearted boldness look like? We're brokenhearted, I have fallen. Boldness, I will rise. Brokenhearted, we sit in darkness. Boldness, the Lord will be my light. Brokenhearted, we bear the Lord's wrath. Boldness, the Lord will plead my case now. As the musicians come up. What if? What if? What if we came to Jesus with all of our mess, with all of our hurt, with all I wish I would have, and I'm sorry that I did. What if we come to Jesus as broken as we really are without excuse? And then we don't stop there. And we come to him with as loved as he wants us to feel. We say this all the time here. You're worse than you think. But you're more loved than you can imagine. That's true about me. It's true about you. Don't be surprised when that gets played out in your life. When you go, I thought I'd never. So now, what, what's going to happen? This week, we're going to walk in brokenhearted boldness. This week, Here's what I want you to do. I want you to look up Micah 7, 8. And I want you to, <laughs> and it's very rare that I ask you to talk to Satan, but I'm going to tell you what to say when you talk to Satan. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you in light of all that God has done. Here's what I want you to say. Memorize this verse. Do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. Because I have sinned against him, I will bear the Lord's wrath, verse 9, until he pleads my case and upholds my cause. Don't forget this part. He will bring me out into the light. And I will see his righteousness. That's our prayer. That's our broken, bold prayer. I want you to just pray that all throughout the week. Be reminded that God is going to resurrect faith because he is the resurrected one. Be reminded 
that God is going to do the work in your life. What will happen if you do this? What will happen if you do this? Here's what's going to happen. You're not going to take Jesus trivially anymore. You're not going to go, ah, what the heck? Jesus will forgive me. That will be gone from your life if you're really serious about being a broken-hearted, bold Christian. Nor will you say, I'm the worst person. I can't even show my face. There's no way God could forgive me about that. Neither one of those. Neither depression. Nor flippidness. Neither one. What we will be is broken-hearted, bold Christians who run to the only one who's worth running to. That is my prayer for you, all of you, all of us. Would you stand with me as we pursue Jesus with brokenhearted boldness?